I'm Catherine Bice, your host to Bowie, a Life in Deeper Water podcast. I live on the Outer Banks of North Carolina on what many call a 200-mile sandbar along the wildly native Atlantic coast. As a nonprofit professional, I had such a heart for bringing resources to underserved youth and artists, New York City, Los Angeles, but the ocean is now my daily muse. So why buoy? To bear my witness to a seaworthy faith, one witness of God's divine persuasion in our deep blue lives, I seek faith that rocks with resilience. Buoy is rocking on a small, sun-drenched platform, spending a few minutes to warm up with the sea lines and navigate a deeper perspective on how our faith is our witness. We all have to swim to it. If you are here to buoy your life in a way only God's swell provides, or your swim brought you to this open water but you're not sure why, we are on the same journey. Hey, thanks for jumping on buoy today. Welcome to Bowie, a Life in Deeper Water podcast, Episode 3, Be First to Follow. Hello, human. In 2015, my husband and I went to Italy. About halfway through our trip, we landed in Venice, and by the time we deplaned, retrieved baggage, and hailed a taxi, it was dark. It is not an urban city with lit streets and the neon accents of a, say, Times Square. It feels rural, linked together by a maze of steps jumping the Grand Canal all over the city. The taxi driver said, There are no streets in Venice, so tell me your hotel and I will take you as far as I can go. You will have to walk. He didn't know how to explain our walk from there, really. My husband called the hotel several times to make sure we were, you know, going the right direction, the general right direction. On the last call, he asked the concierge to stay on the phone to confirm we were going the right way. How impossible, how unlikely it seemed that we were on the right path. But affirmations did come along the way. Oh, yes, that sign in Italian. Yes, that's what it seems to be saying. Lugging baggage, which we do in our spiritual lives, too, by the way over every canal, stone bridge, across piazzas, and shuttered windows with sleeping flowers in shadowy boxes, likely very lovely in the daytime. A maze of turns on cobblestone pathways, alleys, narrow openings between buildings, and many choices that just seemed so dark. The straight and narrow path getting narrower. The concierge said you will be entering the final alley when you see one small green door at the end. I said a prayer as we walked down the final alley to the green door, blanking on the online photos we had seen when we booked it. I told myself I would be fine sleeping on the floor in a dark corner, even if there were crawly creatures speaking Italian. God would protect me. It would be like camping. It didn't matter because we were in Venice, Italy. When my husband opened the door, I gasped. I'm not a gasper, but my heart cried out. We had found heaven. Marble-designed floors along a widening corridor open beyond a quick turn to the right to a perfectly tasteful lobby with iron terrace windows framing the Grand Canal. I felt a whole lot of grateful right then. The most beautiful, luxurious room, and because we were so late checking in, the concierge called a restaurant and reserved a table before they closed. Within 20 minutes, we had settled into our room, walked to the restaurant, and were taking in the aroma of authentic Italian pasta. At an air-conditioned window table overlooking the locals enjoying the evening on the restaurant patio. How American of us, yet not ashamed. It had been a long, hot, humid 
buggy travel day. This is not unlike following Jesus. Someone we did not know at all was giving us instructions, requiring us to trust, stay committed, and follow. I can name on one hand the times I have felt the way I felt when we opened that green door. But it is enough to know deep in my God-persuaded heart that the wooden manger our Savior was born in would become the eternal bed of my heavenly home. When I stepped through that green door, I thought, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And it's not hard to think about Jesus as a rock star, at least not for me. All of the Gospels track his popularity throughout his ministry, from a few listeners to many, from commoners to religious leaders to growing crowds, even a glimpse into fan management by the disciples. I say this not out of irreverence, but out of my need to visualize how his earthly life evolved over his three-year ministry. What his earthly life was like, how people responded to him. So aren't you curious, who was first to follow Jesus? I'm guessing some of you know. According to Luke 5, 111, here's how I tell it. Jesus was preaching to an overwhelming crowd. He saw Simon, Andrew, James, and John cleaning their nets. He asked Simon if he could use his boat to preach to the crowd. After a while, Jesus told Simon to go out deeper into the lake to cast the net. Simon told Jesus he had tried that last night but followed Jesus' request anyway. When Simon did what Jesus asked, he caught so many fish, he thought it was going to sink all their boats. He immediately worshipped Jesus. This is the Simon Peter we know, right? Mark 1.17 Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. The first follow me from Jesus is an invitation. According to the Greek word, it means, come here. Come here. It's a call. The second follow, followed him, means a follower or a companion, one going in the same way. This word is used metaphorically, referring to discipleship, 77 times in the Gospels about following Christ. So what did the fishermen do? The timing of their response? At once. The scale of their response, they left everything. These fishermen became the first four to follow of the 12 apostles. They would come to know about fishing for people. They already knew all about caught fish, lost fish, and the challenges of an empty net. But now a net so full, earthly effort might not hold the bounty when you follow the command of Jesus. Jesus spoke to what they knew. He called them from what they knew. But how does free will figure into following? God dignifies us with free will, the power to make decisions on our own because we are made in his image. The Apostle Paul is clear in telling us what to say and believe if our choice is Jesus That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. We make the choice to be saved. We are free to follow. This is ours to do. No one can do this for us. People have trouble with following a God, any God. The definition of following in a spiritual context implies submission, and it's weak, archaic, foolish. Following self 
is considered strong, courageous, forward-thinking, liberating people seeking their truth. One of my least favorite things to do is to follow someone in a separate car when I don't know the address. I feel helpless and at the mercy of the lead car. To make moves I might not normally make, to anticipate, to speed up, to slow down, change lanes, change multiple lanes. But that is exactly what pop culture does. Coaxes us to create and participate in little subcultures of followers. To follow often blindly in alignment with a topic, a brand, a shared aspiration. We do it ad nauseum. We are very, very good at it. Building self-driven communities. What's important here is that God created us in his image. We have following in our nature because we were created to love God in return. To respond to our creator. He loved us first. It is a choice, my origin choice, because I have free will. I want to be in that boat with Jesus, hearing him preach, seeing all those fish and having my heart so full of fish that I leave everything else behind. I take nothing with me and align my step behind his on that dusty road that I am first to follow, that I help others be first to follow. During this launch series, I have shared two personal affirmations with you. Affirmation number one, my faith is solely defined by his divine persuasion in my life. Affirmation number two, I swim in deeper water by my free will, which brings me to affirmation number three. I follow Jesus through the power of God's word to reveal his divine nature in my life. Paul says in Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Questions I ask myself. What do we not know about God's nature that would change how we seek Him and how we respond when He calls on us? What limits in knowing God hinder us from accepting His divine persuasion, His measured gift of faith? We find the answers in His Word. Bowie will always anchor perspective in God's Word. If we choose to hear God's Word, He will never stop persuading us. We will live in the love of His divine persuasion for the rest of forever. His revelation in my earthly life is my witness. That's what people see. We don't have faith. God has faith. We don't keep faith. He keeps us. Psalm 86.11 says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Thank you for helping me launch Bowie. A buoyed faith rocks with spiritual resilience. A buoyed life guides others to God's divine persuasion and revelation. I am committed to 99 episodes on this journey. Go to my homepage at katherinebice.com. Click on the button titled, If You Only Read This, For My Why. And I hope you will join me for episode four. What's the driving question? I don't know, human. We're about to hit open water. His grace, my gratitude, see you on the buoy. Thanks for listening today. I encourage you to speak up, human. If buoy brings value to you, take a moment to share it with someone. Write a quick review so we reach more seekers. Comment, ask questions. You can find me at katherinebice.com and buoy Catherine B on Instagram. 
Buoy is a life in deeper water podcast.